Welcome to the My Napster Season 1 special of the Back in the Band podcast. For this special episode, we're going to dig deeper into how the world of Napster, Winamp, WinMX and LimeWire brought music to our ears in a way that we never imagined possible when we were in our teens. We'll be sharing the stories behind each of our first ever downloading MP3s and counting how many viruses we downloaded to our parents' Windows 98 computers. Throughout the show, we'll be hearing the best bits from our guests' My Napster choices, remind ourselves why they chose their seminal tracks for the playlist, and we'll also provide a track ourselves each for the playlist. And for those of you on Spotify, we've created a playlist there. You can find the link in the show notes or search Back in the Band Season 1 on Spotify for some musical gold from Back in the Band days. So brace yourselves, zip up your girl's skinny jeans from Topshop, spike your hair with Asda 70p gel, iron your Nirvana hoodie, charge up your mini-disc player, and turn up your shitty little Marshall amp to 11 as we take a look at My Napster Season 1. Right, this will be interesting. So this is a bit of a free-for-all, isn't it, mate? No guests, just vibes, basically. Freestyle. <laughs> No, no pressure. plan. No, no plan, plan, no, no lyrics, pressure. no tuned guitars, nothing sounds like No talent. <laughs> Same as before, yeah. Just a bit of a fucking mess. But uh, <laughs> this is cool. So as we said, we wanted to discuss Napster and the world of peer-to-peer sharing and how that um, changed everything for us, right? It really did change. I was totally reflecting on it the last couple of days. It was a really unique time, wasn't it? And it wasn't just Napster, obviously. There was many applications. But I don't know, man. I was thinking earlier about actually just downloading an application was quite scary <laughs> at the time. It was just like a text link on a website and it was just like download here for Windows 98 or whatever we were on. And you're like, what am I actually downloading? I don't know what's going on. Everything really came computers. at the risk. Yeah, everything yeah. came at the risk of downloading the wrong thing and completely screwing up your mum and dad's computer. Yeah, and- what did we do on the internet before this? Like, we went on wrestling websites right in the library and yeah in yeah, the library that actually happened yeah <laughs> we played the sims that wasn't online obviously that was just cd-rom when we went on in carter 98 that was wonderful do you remember your first experience of downloading music or listening to music online i do remember downloading napstar and i can't remember who told me about it it might have been martin or someone or james holland liam reynolds rings a bell i think he was pretty on the Napster scene, it's, uh, there was a lot of people. It was like, whoever had the internet first was talking about it. I didn't really remember know what I was doing. And I don't think the first downloads I did were successful. That's what I remember is like searching for something, whatever track. And it just, it would be like a total piece of shit file. And I was like, what is this? Like, yeah, it was quite hard it was such a rush. concept. Yeah. Yeah. You're such a rush of not knowing what you're getting. Like you're obviously hoping to get the song you want and definitely like the master version of it. But sometimes you just end up with a shitty little demo version of the yeah. song or completely different track by no one that you'd ever heard of was it was, that was a good 15. stuff but yeah mostly it was negative stuff i remember the most niche details of just like what folder is it in i've downloaded it where is that stored like you just, like the concept of a file going somewhere it was really hard to understand we were so new to computers and also choosing the song you know so you put in the song right i want to i want to download madonna or whatever which i didn't ever download what? the madonna so i don't know why that came up but you Put in what you wanted to <laughs> so Mum random. wants it. Mum, <laughs> give me Madonna. <laughs> I, remember, I remember obviously having really, really bad internet, even worse than the average at the time. And like the main criteria on Rinomex was you had the traffic light system, right? So it was the red, mm-hmm. yellow, and yeah. green. So if it was green, it was like you're more likely to get a better speed or it's more 
accessible. So like, even if it was crappy bitrate or whatever, and at that age, just didn't know or care. But that was a really important choice to make well, as well. It became important, didn't it? But we didn't know about those systems in the early days. Like, you didn't know what you were getting, basically, in the first few, right? Obviously, you got better at illegal downloading as you got older. <laughs> it was kind of like, we just become a professional illegal downloader. But in the early days, you just, I don't know what I'm going to get. I don't really know how this works. I don't really know if it's legal or not. Some people say it's not legal, yeah. but everyone's doing it. So and surely they, yeah, I'll be are fine. Are they really going to come after me, little 15-year-old Lee and slip in? Downloaded probably. like 25 songs. You know, like, I was in Beanie Close at the time, actually, by the way. <laughs> I've got loads more I want to talk about with this, but like, considering you never really knew if it was legal or illegal, you carried on. Did the law have to take time to catch up, I guess, didn't it? It was like, that's always the kind of the way with technology is like, the law is never quite on trend. We didn't know that at the time. We were like 13 years old. But Well, there was no precedent for it at all. No. So the labels no. didn't know how to Police deal with it yeah. and react yeah. to it and what public reaction would be to people being prosecuted for it as well. Yeah. Speaking of which, we've seen that Spotify, the playlist, yeah, yeah, I watched it all, Netflix. yeah. Really good, right? I really enjoyed it. I thought it's an interesting story. But yeah. Taking on the labels, obviously. Is, I mean, it did seem like it was going to always be a challenge, but they, they got there in the end, didn't they? But they just probably knew, like, get over that hurdle, find one person that agrees, and then job done. But, I mean, yeah. Spotify was interesting because you're just like, how is this going to make money? I was paying nothing. It was like a few ads, but... Yeah, and um, I remember Spotify obviously jumping ahead of quite a few years, but I remember... I remember in uni, we talked about it with Dave Bentley in one of the episodes, but our lecturer at the time was like, yeah, this thing called Spotify is coming. Streaming is going to be massive. You're going to pay £10 a month and you have access to everything. And it, I really remember being like, that's not going to happen. No way yeah. am I going to pay that when I've got it for free. How is that going to happen? And here we are. Like it, it did, man. And it was fascinating. It was like the things that clicked with me on that documentary. It was like a hassle-free instant experience, right? You don't get that from illegal downloads. Whatever you get, you're going to get a mixed bag of quality. You're going to have to rip it mm. to yourself. You're going to have to create your own playlist. And that was like, okay, it's all in one place. And then it was like when they, there was a bit in the show where they're like, we can charge a paywall because people will not want to lose their playlists. It's basically like building up a subscriber base, isn't it? Of just like people who... My starred playlist now, I would probably pay £25 a month for that. Like, I would not want to lose it. Cause yeah, just imagine so you much lost music. it. And some, what would, what, how could you price that? Like, you, it said, someone said to you, right, I've taken it from you and you're not getting back until you give me, I'm going to hold you to ransom. And you feel like, what, 500 quid? What's relative, but... Probably a few hundred, yeah. I'd yeah, be like, you, I want to know what was in there. I'd, if they said, we'll let you look at it for 10 minutes for 100 quid, I'd be like, all right, let's do that. <laughs> Here's a question as well. Have you still got your iTunes library? No, on my old laptop, I, I haven't loaded it up for years, like this old MacBook. But that was a transition, wasn't it? And I guess that was interesting because I did pay for quite a lot of iTunes stuff and I did obviously rip a lot of CDs to there and thought that was the future. Yeah. Have you got I'll tell you what, the fascinating thing, yeah, I have. I very rarely open up iTunes. But the good thing about that is if I ever wanted to, and I've backed it up because I don't really need it on my computer anymore. Mm. But the good thing about that is if there was ever any uh, any tracks or demo tracks or bands that I was touring with or playing with or new at the time, like bands and artists and music that just isn't available online now. So I think that's where that still has a part to play almost. That's true. Yeah. Don't there's access a few, it There's often. a few. No, you're right. Do you remember a band called, this is so random, Hello Mexico. Do you remember them? There was a band called Hello Mexico. That, there was Sounds one song familiar, they've got. But... It's on YouTube, only on YouTube. I don't pay for YouTube premium or anything. 
So the only way I can access a few tracks, a few very niche tracks is through YouTube, right? But like, well, I can't listen to it on the move. I have to watch the video if I want to watch it. So there's definitely still a market for that niche stuff. I hear you. I remember also like, I remember going back a little bit and I remember MP3s turning up and I remember sitting, I think I've told you the story before. It was when MP3 started kicking off and we were in my nano and granddad's down in the south somewhere in the middle of fucking nowhere. And they had really bad internet. I'd somehow commandeered my dad's old laptop, work laptop. So I'd managed to somehow install WinMX and I was downloading something on the really bad, like really bad internet. Taking forever instead of just sitting around doing nothing. At least I was sitting around doing nothing waiting for yeah. the latest consoles. Sit around stare at that, yeah. And my dad was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm downloading MP3s. He's like, why are you doing that? I uh, said, so, well, you know, I can get stuff for free and stuff. And I can, it's quite cool. It's got everything. Look, check it out. And he said, I wouldn't bother with that because I was reading an article in the Daily Express that basically said that MP3s aren't really going to go anywhere. It's not proven. I wouldn't bother with getting an MP3 player. And so the moral of the story is that my dad or anyone needs to stop reading the fucking Daily Express, really. But I just remember him being like, no, that's not going to happen. CDs are still going to be around. And again, here we are. Now, what I was, what I was thinking about was like, obviously the controversy in the industry it took a shift away from cd sales right eventually but once that was like once you'd really figured out how to rip them but i was thinking like before that i remember being so proud of my cd collection that like i just continued to keep buying cds even though we were downloading stuff so it wasn't yep. like an instant impact for us and it was like we would just buy them and i guess i was thinking my justification really at the time was that because the quality on the mp3s wasn't always great you might have to download it two or three times, right? If you really like that track, to be like, that. I want to get the best quality version or whatever. But it was never quite the same as just listening on CD, which is where we consumed the music, right? It was like on our big hi-fis, whatever. Yeah, and I. it's funny because there's still some CDs that I regret not buying, and it would have made yeah. absolutely no difference. I never bought Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park, and I listened to it obsessively. Did you rip and it? I regret it. And it's stupid because why? Dude. I'm now £12 richer to this day because I never bought it. But I regret it because I feel like I owed it to them. And it's like yeah. you say, it's twofold. It was like I had ripped it and probably two or three of those MP3s were crap. Yeah. But it was £12. And when you're getting paid, like, I think at the time yeah. I was working as a paper boy and I earned like £12 a week to do a paper round every morning at seven o'clock in the morning or whatever. And yeah, it was like, yeah, I'm happy to not spend that. But yeah, funny. I just, I don't, do you have any albums that you ripped and you can really remember and wish you hadn't? Mm. Nah, I just remember a lot of mixtapes being made. I didn't rip too many at the start. I just kept spending money, man. Like I was, you know, I wasn't, I was earning slightly more than £12 a week, but not much more. I was on the £25 a week at Videodrome at one point doing about four hours a week. But that was, I guess, like you say, do I regret buying the CDs? No. I, do I regret buying them? There's a lot I bought that I regret buying. And I'm like, why did I buy that? I just was so proud of my collection and displaying it. Yeah. Which, there's nothing bad about that, I think. Like, it was the same with DVDs, which was even more embarrassing now looking back. I'm more proud of my CD collection than my DVD collection, which yeah. I've obviously thrown most of it in the bin. That's, yeah, fair. Totally fair. Here's a fun fact for you, slightly on a curveball. Do you know what the first song on Napster was? No, go on. It's all up in the air, mate. But rumour has it that it was a Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. I thought you say by Incubus. No, that would have been really surprising, but yeah. Yeah, considering that was released like four years after Napster. But, uh. <laughs> Do you remember... That's niche, uh, It is niche. At least here's another one for you. Do you remember your favourite Winamp skin, or at least a Winamp skin that really rocked your world? 
I can remember it was might have been mine or yours, but I just remember some lightning style skins, like <laughs> Stormy. That was pretty popular. Winamp skins needs to be explained to the average person. So Anyone the average under person, the age of thirty there's, is not there's a no one skin is. <laughs> There's no one under the age of thirty listening to this conversation because they're all true. people that we used to go to school with. Or That's my mum and dad. Hi, mum. So yep. my mum wouldn't know what Winamp is. So let me tell what my mum what Winamp was. Winamp was a media player, and you could change the graphic user interface, which wouldn't mean anything to my mum either. But you could change what it looks like and the, the layout of all the equalizers and the track. And I want to play. I want to quickly share my screen with you, mate, because and maybe we'll put this up on. There's one that really I saw the other day, and it really rocked my world. Do you remember it? Oh my god, yes, of course I remember it. That's so there he sick. Is. The green oh alien, big-eared man. I don't know what to say about that, but oh my god, that is really taking me back. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Everything felt so customizable, a bit like, I guess, Google phones, Android is now, but this is high level, wasn't it? Like, people were uploading all sorts of shit like this. So important, Incredible. it changed everything. I can remember listening to, like, Youth of the Nation on that one or something. Yeah, I thought that was just an interesting time. I think there's something in it. DVDs is a bit like... If I'm buying a DVD, I'm not, I don't really feel like I'm giving to the artist as such. There's a lot of people involved in a film, a lot of people involved in music, obviously, but I still now and then, to this day, would buy the odd bit of merch from an artist just because I feel like I'm supporting them, especially a smaller one. That's like my only justification in the back of my mind for the stuff I spent on CVs was like sort of help their careers a bit yeah, totally. in that minimum tiny way. They make most money out of it, didn't they, at the time? Well, it was that whole thing of investing for you as well. Once you've invested in it, then you make the effort to listen to it and rather than just throw it away and skip track and everything. And no, that's true. Hey, I, like, I sound like an old man. I've said so many times, it really bugs me that my kids are not going to understand that and that the music will just be so disposable to, and they just won't comprehend. Like, I think it will to be. An album. No, I totally agree. But I reckon there'll be, a, there'll be a retro phase to this like there is with most things. I think there'll be a kind of like renaissance of listening to things all the way through or the smarter kids will do it obviously everyone else will just rinse it but it'd be like you've got to do it like they did in the old days is always like a bit of a nostalgic thing to do for new generations so i reckon it's going to make a comeback basically yeah i agree all right i think let's move on from here and let's hear from our first three guests on the podcast of season one and we're going to hear from will ollie and kinsey as they give us their my naps the tracks <laughs> I'm going to give you a track that we played in Deviate the Band, and it was probably, I think it was the first one without a piano in it. It's pretty radical for me. So the track is By the Way by the Chili Peppers. I had a go at singing that, which on reflection seems insane to me. You know, he's either doing the kind of staccato or he's rapping. So the cheek of it that I had a go at it astounds me. And it was huge at the time and we did an okay job at it. So you played the keys on it as well? Or no, so away from the keys and you just sang it? Yeah, just sang it. Yeah, threw the keys into the crowd, <laughs> set, set fire to the, the keyboard amp and, and apologised to the teachers and then did the rap, yeah. <laughs> So, Ollie, tell us a song. What are you going to give us today? Jimmy Wild the Middle.
I just remember the music video, party, American Pie style. Do you remember? Like, and then they all got in their pants. Yeah. I don't know what the meaning of that was. Yeah. I remember it jumps in the pool and like you can hear it as they're underwater and then they come back out and oh, it's amazing. And then like for the rest of the band, because we'd given up on the other song. And for some reason we're like, it has to be in drop D still. What's in drop D? Why? Why? <laughs> yeah, because um, yeah, you can't simply imagine retuning just before the song. Well, we have to tune down from McFly to it, don't we? So what tune back up? <laughs> well, I don't know what, why that's a thing. So anyway, we had to be drop D. So I found the middle and someone had a copy of Total Guitar, was it? And it used to come with a CD. Yeah. And I just decided, right, I'm going to do this bit. You're going to do this bit. But really tight, like exactly how it was. However, the one problem was the solo. The solo in that's absolutely kick-ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, the lead guitarist, uh, he'd only been playing about six months. And he was like proper metal. I was like, obviously, I'm taking the solo. I've been playing probably six or seven years. And at that age, that is like a long time. We were like playing the first time through. And it got to the solo. And he just started playing the solo. Smashed it perfectly. He'd only been playing absolutely destroyed it i obviously as i when i realized i just played the rhythm part and everyone went wow simon that was brilliant and i was like okay i'll just do the rhythm then but i'll never forget with that song the detail that i went into to make it perfect that's a worthy addition it's one of the best pop punk songs there are lots to choose from based on different bands that have been in times of my life but for the counterfeit period a decade under the influence by taking back sunday would be this one song that reminds me of that band that time in my life As we've touched on, I was heavily into Green Day, Blink, Newfound Glory. And then the drummer put on a Taking Back Sunday album at a house party. And that song came on. And I was like, what is this band? Honestly, I don't think I'd even heard of them. And just the double vocal, everything about it just blew my mind. So then we ended up covering a decade under the influence in Counterfeit. And I just remember like, the bass player took some of the vocals from me and it just completely changed the way we probably wrote songs after that tried to make things more complicated but we had a lot of fun playing that song then from then i just became a huge taking back sunday fan it just reminds me of that latter school year time nice love that here we are we're going to share our very first mp3 so lee can you remember your first mp3 first downloaded mp3 yeah like this was a real I had to really rack the brains for this one, but I'm pretty sure at the time I was listening to this type of so this song on MTV or The Box, which was literally where 99% of the stuff I listened to would be from. That or Chilton FM in Bedfordshire <laughs> for the... Yeah, yeah. Graham Torrance with Late Night Love, yeah. Yeah, Tracy Chapman, Fast Car, Every <laughs> Night, Late Night Love. It was a big classic. No, yeah, like I said, MTV The Box was like where I was finding music. So it was like, ah, oh, you know, Aguilera, Britney, Eminem. These were like really popular artists at the time. But this song I downloaded first, I'm pretty sure on Napster, whether it was good quality or not, was uh, I think it was Jay Z, I Just Wanna Love You. You know that one? I just want to love you. Wow. I remember that. 
track yeah. quite vividly. I don't know why, probably because I listened to the hell out of it. And it was probably quite risky that even, you know, the moves you make, it was it really stood out to me. But okay, that's just a decent track. I'm pretty happy with it. I don't remember downloading anything else before that. That was Napster, definitely. I think Napster was almost dying a death when we were getting hold of it. So I, I don't think we spent too much time on Napster. I think it was a good few months, but not as long as we spent on the others. So, not yeah, as long I'm as we spent sure. on Coaster Tycoon. <laughs> Rollercoaster Tycoon, backed up by Jay-Z. That is my vibe. And I was probably 30 years old. Is it actually, old. though? Does that song remind you of any computer game in particular? No, it doesn't. It reminds me of Rudy Jonga. <laughs> Bit like that. Right. Reminds me of Rudy. There we go. Yeah, but, okay, yeah. So how about yourself? Do you, you must, I mean, you must remember something. What was yours? Was it Napster? So it was Napster, but I was like you. I was kind of, it's a bit blurry. And I think I know what it is. But there was something else. So it was between two songs. And the first one that I wasn't sure about was Miss Jackson by Outcast. Shout. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and I really remember that. But I remember being sat in my mum and dad's dining room on the computer. It was like a Windows yeah. Me piece of shit at the time. The worst. Um, yeah, it was terrible. But uh, I remember downloading that, but I don't think it was that. And then in the end, I think it was Butterfly by Crazy Town. Such a sick track. I just think yeah. like, obviously it doesn't fit in the, well, it kind of, apparently it does fit in the new metal vibe because of the two vocalists and the rapping and, and but it was kind of like everyone was a metalhead would just hate that song and hate them. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't really understand the grief that new metal gets and even Crazy Town, maybe because we were 14 or 15 at the time, but I've never really got why metalheads, oh, new metal is just disgusting, man. I suppose it's like... I guess it because it became popular, right? They probably liked it until everyone else started liking it. They're like, oh, it's shit now because Chavs like it or whatever. It's the same as anything that gets popular. It gets ripped on. Yeah, it, and it was probably that mix of rap and hip-hop and the two singers and the hair and like the guys with tattoos with half the chest out and stuff. I don't know. Like, I, I just didn't really... Yeah, I've never really understood it. Maybe if we were a bit older and a bit more like pretentious, we would have kind of. No, gone, I think oh, it yeah, is a pretentious shit, point but... of view. Just like, yeah, new metal is a bit of shit, but that's part of the charm. I think it's just like it's just not the best quality, like technically or anything. It's just great fun, great energy. It is what it is. Yeah. Get on with it. Stop being a little bitch about it in a you know, <laughs> pretentious. It... I'm a metalhead guy. Yeah, you're right though. But I sat. It's funny. This morning I was listening to Absolute Radio Naughties and Rolling came on, but it was this horrible, disgusting DJ radio mix that was just like oh half of the stuff from the video, and then just this really horrible mix. And I was like, "This is disgusting. This is horrible. Why have you done that? That song's like what it is." But they'd really ramped it up, and it was just really bad. And then it's exactly. I was going through the same things. So I was like, "No, why are you doing that? That's just so bad. It's so rubbish." But it's no different. Like, yeah to what the bands would have done when they were writing the song. They would have rejigged it and moved it until they got to the point yeah. of happy with it. But then you've got a radio edit that you do it again. Like, it's just the same principle and process, yeah, but you're yeah, watering yeah, it absolutely. down, I guess. So I suppose it's the that it's also that. It's that, oh, you're not very technical. It's rubbish. You're just barcode 0101. Yeah, look, I'm never going to get an opportunity to throw this fact out there, but do you know where the riff from Crazy Town Butterfly came from? This is my pub quiz question to you. I think I should know, and I think I did know, but I've forgotten. Go on. 
It's from a niche track, Red Hot Chili Peppers album, their Blood Sugar Sex Magic album, a song called Pretty Little Ditty, just an instrumental, and it's just a little solo they play. When I heard it, I didn't know that, but I listened to that album once and I heard that riff and I was like, oh my fucking God, like, I don't believe <laughs> Like, I did not know it was a sample, but uh, it was a sample. And, uh, yeah, no, I think, no, I, now no, no. you said that, I think I did not. Yeah, mate, I knew that, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. now you say it, now you say it. Oh, on that lie, though, should we make a move and hear some more from Best Bits yeah. from Season 1? Let's hear from the next batch of My Napster recommendations. This time, we're going to hear from Joe, Dave, and Fez. For me, it was more LimeWire than Napster. I'm just going to put that one out there. For God's but, sake. Uh, yeah, so, like, we're, like, deep in the kind of LTHC, the Luton Town hardcore fraternity and like exploring all of these wonderful offshoots of heavy rock and metal. And for me, the creme de la creme was sick. I'd yes. never heard anything like that. And I've never heard anything like it since. So for me, the tune is sixth scent of the obscene, 100%. I mean, honestly, man, when anyone says the word sick, I just want to bang on that whole album, that <laughs> iconic first album. So I'm really gagging to do it after this now. I'm not going to be able to put I... my son to bed. I'm going to have to bang it on. Yeah, man. If my wife heard that album and I said this was my favourite band back in the day, <laughs> she was into Garage and German Bass in, that, in those years. She'd be like, why are they screaming and who are you? <laughs> we were all big Six fans, weren't we, Stu, mate? absolutely epic. I just, I was obsessed and still, like you said, it's one of the things in life, especially if you've had a bit, just kicks off. Just, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I think also, because they were local, right? Yeah. I think they were what, Watford-ish hop. Yeah. And I just think there's a bit of a proud thing there as well. Yeah, they kind of felt like ours, didn't they? They were like, that's yeah. local. And it's like the horn they played at and... Ah, they were just like... I was quite inspiring, isn't it? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. That's a great choice, man. Love that track. I am definitely going to choose I Can Climb Mountains by Hell is for Heroes. At the time, Hell is for Heroes were kind of what I wanted to be. Like, for us, it was, we never got ideas above our stations. Nice little pun there, a little bit of 100 Reasons. A little bit of 100 Reasons sleeping <laughs> through. But, like, um, <laughs> we did look up to bands like that where it felt like they were never going to be Metallica. They were never going to be Radiohead. They were never going to be there forever, even though they are still around now somehow. But it looked like a level that we could aspire to in some way. That album, Neon Handshake, Hell is for Heroes, it was a real time of anticipating an album coming out. I remember waiting for that to be available, waiting to get that album and downloading that track, a few of them, Night Vision, You Drove Me To It, on LimeWire. Get them on LimeWire, whacking them on Minidisc, I think. And then, obviously, buying the CD, like a good boy when the CD came out. It was a good time being able to get hold of stuff like that and share it around. For some reason now, like, everything is just so readily available. It's sometimes difficult to remind yourself to even share anything because everybody can get it whenever they want. Whereas then, everybody used to share stuff. You don't have to put the effort in, do you? Yeah. But, yeah, those glory days are over. I vividly remember trying to download shit 
and it would be like labeled corn deftones yeah like yeah. five different bands and then you'd get it and it'd just be some trash but or porn or porn you know like just turn up for the books with nothing else. of a win-win <laughs> but the one that really sticks for me is because me and my mate dave used to just sit and listen to it a lot is that track no cigar by millen collin What were you listening to it on? I would probably be listening to it on a, what's it called? A Discman? Walkman? CD in it up. The CD Discman, because I used to work in Tesco's at the weekends and I would always have my Discman and it would either have a selection of Tony Hawk stuff or like a fat records compilation or some faux political shit like anti-flag thinking I was a legend. But yeah, man, it would be the Discman, I would say. What memories is that bringing back right now? Melancholy, no cigar. What are you thinking about? Graffiti in car park. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bloody hell. Graffiti in car parks and listen to Tony Hawk's. What a vibe. Yeah. But speaking of vibes, tell our viewers what your my Napster track is and in fact before you do give us a couple of tracks that you were thinking about and then tell us the track I've been thinking about this for most of the series because everyone reads their Napster stories to us and I'm like I'm not even listening I'm thinking about my own songs here right that's, that's, <laughs> that's kind of my vibe like yeah good track mate but I'm just thinking about me a couple that were considerations and not because they're like my favourite songs right now but were songs like Deftones Knife Party Songs yeah. like that, that that really made me bond with people. Definitely is always a consideration. I haven't thought about too many others, to be honest, because this one has really stood out to me from the start of the series and the fact no one else picked it made it an extra pick as well, which is 46 and 2 by Tool. And for several reasons, obviously, it's an incredible song and I'd still listen to it any day and enjoy it. Like, mm. incredible, like, six minutes of music. But it was like, I guess, first and foremost, it was like when my I felt my music taste really started to shift away a little bit from just new metal rap and whatever was being played on Kerrang! or Punk or something. It was like yeah. a bit more, bit more complex, a bit more interesting and a bit more challenging. I don't know, like, in a pretentious way, but... I loved it too. I was like, this is, this, I've never heard anything like it. Do you remember how you came about it? Yeah. And that's the second reason why it's my choice because it, well, like how I even found Tool at the time, they were not big in the UK, but it was like, you're not going to find them in the UK. This was before they released like Schism and Lateralis album, Lateralis. How do we have to say it? Lateralis, say? was it? Lateralis, yeah. Before that album. So like, you know, they're pretty hard to find, hard to come across, but I used to, this was the beauty of peer-to-peer -peer and I guess socials was when I was downloading a song off someone, sometimes I would message that person. You can message them, send a little direct message and say, hiya, how you doing? There was this guy and I was like, I used to say to people, can you recommend me a band or a song? I don't know why, cause was, why not? And this guy said, listen to Tool. And I'd be like, okay, what song? Because we had to choose a song back then. And I'd be like, take me ages, mm. download it. And he said, 46 and 2 by Tool, download that. And I was like, 
holy shit. And then he, I think he recommended me a few other tracks later on, which were probably good as well. But that I never forgot. And I just think that was what it was all about. It was just quite social as well, this peer-to-peer stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed that. I've yeah. completely forgotten that you could message people. I think listening, thinking back now, I think you had told me that. But yeah. Yeah, but then was that because you were only downloading from one person? Was it because you were down? He was one of people because obviously with moving it was forward, downloading it direct like from that person at the time, rather definitely. than a group of people who had it. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was definitely. Yeah, I know what you mean how it changed a little bit, but it was just that one guy sharing that file, and he had to be online to share it. Do you know what I mean? It was like he has to be there and active or open. Yeah, to be yeah, yeah. To be downloading it off him. And I think yeah. that's, that. I mean, that track's outrageously good. The thing is with that track like i really remember that track as well i really remember listening to that track while i was mowing my dad's lawn like yeah. religiously on my cd walkman and it probably Don't kept really. jumping all over the place because it was like banging around in my pocket but yeah I said it was shock resistant definitely wasn't but yeah what a track and i think the thing was tall right was i completely agree the thing of jumping up to the next level certainly for me it felt like that band was if we could ever get to any sort of level of being that good it doesn't matter whether you'd be famous like that was like fuck it that just be good just be that as good as tall which is obviously yeah. impossible but it, yeah. that was like oh my god if you're as good as tall as anyone's as good as tall then you're obviously amazing they're the best i mean i started to try and learn about like time signatures and all that and i was just like this i just i cannot understand it like i can't even count along to it and i was just like it was so complex to me at the time but i hadn't heard many songs as well like because of i don't know whatever music i was listening to i hadn't heard many songs like over six minutes or five six minutes this is quite new to me actually i'm used to three minute pop songs it was exciting nice choice man it would have been in my top five if i was looking for alternative tracks before i bore you with mine let's bring in bruce martin jamie and john to give us their mind apps the tracks and put them on the table <laughs> So some I picked is Everlong by Foo Fighters. The reason it's like special is it was the song, like it sounds a bit romantic now, but it was a song that kind of brought me and my mate Ollie, the bassist in the band together. At the time when we met, I was very much more into my dance music and stuff like that. And yeah, it was a song, I don't know, it kind of warmed our friendship, I think. It was just one of those songs, it's quite an old song now, it was even old, like when we became friends, but it's just that song that kind of like always came back, always hung around at the end of the night, whenever we were out, we'd always forever long on. So it's just that song that kind of really reminds me of making friends back in the day. What a fantastic tune, mate. Uh, I'm going to go with a Nirvana song, actually. I'm going to go with Nirvana, Drain You. Nice. One baby to another says I'm lucky to meet you. When I heard that album, I knew I definitely wanted to play drums. That's a sick choice. Obviously, our man Kat, I never saw him live, far too young. But there's this, have you heard this Elvana covers band? Have you heard of them? No, no, no. They, they're an Elvis slash Nirvana cover. He's basically an Elvis frontman. He dresses up as Elvis, comes oh, out wow. dressed up as Elvis, and they play Nirvana songs. And then they did like Glastonbury, they do like big festivals and stuff, and they are fucking sick. And it's the closest I'm ever going to oh, wow. hear a bit of Nirvana music live and man it is banging yeah, keep yeah. an eye out for oh, them man i'll try and go and see them yeah well good this is the first song i downloaded on napster I, and i still remember it downloading i remember it taking a couple of hours or something genie in a bottle christina Aguilera. yeah <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah 
It's 99 Red Balloons by Goldfinger. No. That song, I hadn't heard it until I downloaded it. The first time I heard it was after I downloaded it. So I don't know if it's like a you know delayed gratification thing of waiting two hours for this oh. thing. And then, yeah, and then hearing it for the first time, that cover of it is just amazing. There's not much music from that era that I still listen to, but like that's one of the songs that I can still put on and I still enjoy listening to it. You know, it's a great song. I saw them play at Slam Dunk Festival a few years back, actually, in Hatfield. No way. Yeah, it was wild. Yeah, it was like a party just blew up as soon as they played that. It was... Oh, yeah. they played that one. Yeah, cool. yeah. brilliant tune. Great choice. I'm going to go for My Own Summer by Death Tone. Just because it's, it's one that we played in the band, I think it just epitomizes everything great about them you know like the driving drums the incredible deep heavy guitar obviously chino's vocals it's actually one track that i first heard on the matrix soundtrack like it features on that and i remember that was a soundtrack that was so varied and so cool like it had prodigy on there it had that amazing club to death track by rob d but it also had this one and that was one of the first sort of movie soundtracks so what was that 99 that again when i heard that and I heard this song, I was like, wow, okay, cool. Later down the line, we all really got into Deftones, particularly that album. And still am. Oh, yeah, that album around the third, obviously. And, and I still listen to them a lot. I think of all the bands that we were into, probably tall Deftones in the perfect circle are the ones that I listen to most now. When it gets hot, when we get our first decent weather of the year, I always tend to put on that album around the third, and that's obviously... Such a, what an opening track, honestly. You yeah. won't find many better, will you? Yeah. Exactly. It's a great track. It's a good choice. Right, mate, this is the big moment. This is what everyone has been waiting for. This is why they've tuned in. The man who does the mixing on this podcast, the man who came up with a concept for this podcast, tell us your track. And it better be fucking good, mate, I swear. Because oh, um, oh, you've, you've ramped up that pressure. I'm, I'm serious. If it's not a 10 out of 10 track, you going yeah, down. But, oh, no, you've really ramped it up. All right. What is your track? It's going on the playlist. What is it? It is Giving In. No, it's not. It's, it's <laughs> a battle between a demon's giving in. Power Struggle by Summers. Yes, yes, more. <laughs> so actually, like you said, this isn't my best track ever. It was more exit from the perspective of what track reminds me of being in a band in school and like mm -hmm. the best moment of being in a band in school. There were so many moments and we touched on some of them with John, right? And not all of them, but there were some that was just really embarrassing when you look back. And then you got to a point when it was actually like, okay, yeah, fine, we're only covering stuff, but this is this is cool. Like for us, everyone else probably thought we were a bunch of geeks, but we were enjoying it and we were pretty happy with what we were doing yeah, and felt like we were jumping up a level. And for that reason, I chose a track that really brings back that excitement of being in a band and feeling like you're going somewhere and it, like we were potentially going to get signed and be famous and everything else. And so I'm going to choose Nice to Know You by Incubus. Oh, yeah. 
Nice, yeah. Come on then, that is a fantastic track. I don't listen to it so often these days, but tell me, why is this so special? Yeah, I think we talked about it with John the other week, and we had that whole session, that whole week-long drama studio booking, like just doing nothing, nine till half three, Monday to Friday, practicing, writing music, doing whatever, just before our GCSEs. We set up the PA in the massive new drama room. We had the drum kit on a little stage, like all your guitar amps and everything yeah. were there. Like we were playing over lunchtime, so kids were just rolling in and we had crowds of like 10. But... <laughs> And we'd really got into Incubus then. And like, I remember you said about it as well, being a big jump up in technicality. We'd started to play songs that actually had dynamics. It wasn't just full on drop D power chords through the whole thing. Up to that point, we were playing Corn Stained, maybe like a Lost Profits track or whatever. Yeah, the know. drums on that are super nice. The verse is sweet yeah. as fuck. Yeah, yeah but nice. I think that was it. It was that kind of, even for you, right? Your guitar work became, okay, I'm not just riffing it well, i forgot some... we even played it until you brought it up now because i'm like i can't even believe i managed to get the chords out for that i remember it back so it's a really nice quite satisfying song to play as i remember as well yeah, yeah. because it was spacious you know it had dynamics to it. it wasn't just the verse just chilled out and like you had obviously started to get into the zoom 707 fx but on yeah, do you even remember like some of the presets on that like so, the name that you would have used i remember we created one or two custom ones but god no i mean it probably sounded nothing like obviously the actual song but that's the beauty of it man it's my it's our yeah, cover but it's all it, you were like starting to explore reverb and phase and delays and yeah. stuff and, and it was really like okay this is cool rather than yeah realizing that we were actually a bit shit but now you're oh. starting to understand your tech and starting to play out and obviously lewis had joined by that point so like you two could play off each other a little bit more even vocally actually was starting to hold a tune instead of just shouting and throwing microphones on the floor and, and whatnot so i remember it You've brought back really fond memories, to be honest, of this. Because, like, when you first said that track, I was like, I don't remember you. we played it. <laughs> I don't remember we played it, really. I don't, and now I remember it after talking about it back. Well, yeah, it is, like you said, it's a step up from Blind by Cool, yeah. which is very, quite simple to play. But yeah, you're right. This is, I guess that's what podcast was all about in the first place. It's like trying to bring you back to those band days. And that yeah. definitely has brought me back. It felt like also that session, I don't know if you remember it, the DVDs that they had as well, Incubus had. And again, was obsessed with Incubus at the time, right? Morning so View two. Sessions or whatever exactly. was one of them. Yeah. yeah, Morning View Sessions and I think it was just Morning View Live or just live, yeah. well, I can't remember. There was the one of them, it was in a little studio, they had people sat there in a, in a circle round yeah. and stuff. And it just felt like that was our version of it. We were doing that stuff, Morning View Sessions. It was really nice weather as well that week. I really remember it and just having people surrounded us. And I remember, actually now, I don't know if you remember this, there was definitely downtime in the afternoons, probably because we'd like, instead of having decent lunch, we'd only eaten bubble bottles for two pound all lunch. So like our sugar levels were all over the place by the afternoon. And we were like, let's write some music. And I remember we definitely had moments where everyone was just sleepy and tired in the afternoon. <laughs> so we're like, try, I remember you like laying in the corner and having your guitar on top of you on some coats or whatever, and it would just be like a complete mess. And I'd be like, oh, come on, has anyone got a riff? And it would just be rubbish. But we were like, oh, this, we need to power through. We need to do this. And I, it just felt like that was the next step in our progression. In fact, it was the last step in our progression. But it, it was, it was yeah. really, yeah, really nostalgic. <laughs> 
That was where the progression ended, yeah, for sure. But yeah, really fond memories and I absolutely loved those moments. We were learning that song and like freestyling it a bit. It's beautiful. And actually, those two tracks we've chosen, I saw both of those bands live last year still and... Okay, cool, I mean, cool, cool. like, still relate to that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fuck it. But also, uh, <laughs> the, co- the cost of those tickets was... I probably spent, on average, for... For those two gigs, plus the beer I drank, probably about 300 quid for both of them. It was absurd. But I bought both. I love both those bands so yep. much. Great times, man. Good choice. Okay, you've pleased the listeners. Well done. Thanks, mate. Thanks. So that brings to an end this special My Napster Season 1 episode of the Back in the Band podcast. It's been a lot of fun hearing some shocking, hilarious, and quite frankly, ridiculous stories about how the tracks we downloaded legally of course back in the band played such a big part in our musical journeys and it felt like they really shaped who we are today as the unquestionably serious respectable and commendable adults of today's society i touched on it earlier but it feels like kids today will never know the pain of spending three days downloading a christina aguilera track by accident and the next generation of kids will never know how good they have it absolutely And if you enjoyed this episode, check out the playlist. We said it before, you can search Back in the Band Season 1 on Spotify. There's some absolutely brilliant tracks. We went through them all here. You can follow the link in the show notes on the podcast app. We'll be back soon with another special episode, Season 1 Unplugged. For those of you that cannot get enough, we'll be sharing some unheard stories from Season 1's guests where Stu was just basically being a bit too ruthless and edited them out. They're coming back in, so stay tuned for that. We'll look to do season two soon. And in the meantime, don't forget to detune to Drop C, stick a system of a down poster on your bedroom door, subscribe and like the Back in the Band podcast on Spotify, Apple, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah.